everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball podcasts. I am one of your hosts, Jeff, joining me from the sick bay at uh, Seattle General Sisters of Mercy Hospital is Peter Brady. Nope, not Peter Brady. Uh, it, it's actually Mark A. Johnson, my co-host. Mark, say hello to everybody. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it is time to change. There you go. That's my Peter Brady impersonation. So I'm feeling great. You sound wonderful. I do. I feel great. I look great. It's all the above. <laughs> well, before we get too far into uh, to how you're feeling, uh, this is show number 51. Uh, hello to everybody. If you are new here, uh, I like to give Mark an out in case he doesn't want to talk about baseball history before each episode. And it's going to be no different today, Mark. So I'm going to give you the opportunity. We can continue to talk about baseball history or we can take you to the doctor and make sure that you don't have the coronavirus, which. Oh, wow. You know, I, I love Corona, um, but I'm not a big fan of the virus. And I, I'd rather I, I heard this is just on the Internet. And so it's got to be true that if you drink a lot of Coronas, you can get the coronavirus. So I'm just going to stay away from all the above. Let's talk about baseball. <laughs> all right. We'll we'll try to keep you from having to talk too much. <laughs> Thank Might you. Be- we might be a little shorter today, especially after our marathon Ricky Henderson episode uh, last week for number 50. But um, again, you get me started on Ricky Henderson and I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> All right. So let's 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 start off with a little BP. And I want to start off referencing some one of the Ricky Henderson stories that I told last week because I found out a little bit more information on one of these. So I told you about when Ricky was... Uh, wanted to renegotiate his contract, which I believe was in 1990. And he said, Hey, if, if you pay me like Mike Gallego, I'm going to play like Mike Gallego. Yes. Well, I found out that I just said Mike Gallego because, well, I know how to say Mike Gallego's name. Apparently when Ricky said it, he said Mike Gallego. He had only been a teammate of Mike by, for about a year and a half, maybe two years at this point. So, <laughs> but Mike, apparently, though, when he found out about the quote, laughed and said, I'm just kind of glad he knew, you know, who I was. So, Mike Galigo. Mike Galigo. <laughs> Ricky. Ricky and Mike Galigo. <laughs> uh, another thing we talked about in a past show was uh, Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer. The Hawk. We all, I think everybody loves the Hawk. How can you he, not? He, he is, I, I don't know. I, I, I had not seen this before, but I, I found out how he is busying himself in retirement. And uh, it is nothing that I, I would normally give you a couple of chances to guess what he was doing. But with your voice as it is, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. He is the uh, funeral director at a funeral home. these what? days. No way. <laughs> yeah. In Miami, in Little Havana. If you choose to uh I guess do a do a showing or, you know, just die. I I don't know how you would put that. Andre Dawson could be ushering people in to to give you your final goodbye. Wow. Um so Andre Andre Dawson. <laughs> it it it's funny because there's a couple of quotes here and very topical. Uh, so this article that I'm reading, uh, Dawson was 63 at the time. He's owned a funeral home for 10 years oh, wow. and he just keeps it simple. It's, it's a line of work that he's been in since his post career, post baseball career. And, uh, it's funny cause he's got, he's listed a couple of reactions from fellow players, fellow hall of famers. And one of them just happens to be Ricky Henderson, who he said was just speechless and his eyes were just wide open <laughs> and his mouth agape. And, uh, <laughs> so not very often Ricky Henderson is speechless, but Andre Dawson ushering, ushering the passing from yeah. one world to another. That's amazing. It, you know, you got to keep busy. I don't, yeah. you know, maybe he's, maybe, you know, the money doesn't hurt because remember when he had that MVP year at the Cubs, he basically just gave him a blank check because of collusion Yes, and, and said, listen, just pay me what you think I'm worth. Cause he just wanted to play and obviously yeah. wasn't very much. So. Yeah, no, he, he was, he was a one of a kind and he's got one of the best autographs you can find out there, by the way. Really? It's just to- cool looking. I'll send you a picture. I got a few. Uh, wow, that is a very neat signature. <laughs> Isn't it cool? 
I told you. <laughs> wow, that is a great looking signature, and the, and mm-hmm. it's on a baseball too, which is hard to sign on a baseball. And he just he's obviously very well practiced and very good at it. That is a good looking signature. You're right. Uh, so on the on the topic of uh, kind of uh, older things, that's kind of what we do here anyway. We've talked a, a couple weeks ago about all the new throwback jerseys that teams are are displaying and using this year. A lot of powder blue uniforms, which I'm all for. Uh, Texas and Toronto, the Padres are going back to their brown uniforms. The Pirates last week announced that they are going back to the the old script Pittsburgh across the chest from the days when, you know, skinny Barry Bonds roamed uh, roamed Three River Stadium at that nice. point. Nice. I like that. I do too. Uh, just there's one problem with these things. They are not pullovers. They are, you know, they're the the button the button yeah. uniform, button down uniforms that everybody's worn for quite a while, but I really kind of miss some of the pullover jersey. I yeah. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of these powder blues that they're not going to wear every day be pullovers. Yeah, I mean, uh, softball still pulls it off so well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> A couple of more things. Have you ever heard of Clyde William Tombaugh? I have certainly not. So this is a great, this is our astronomy crossover part of the show. Another Clyde, one? Yeah, another one. I know. When it's getting old, isn't it? <laughs> he discovered Pluto in 1930. This was the first object to be uh, discovered in what would become known as the Kuiper Belt. And at the time of discovery, Pluto was considered a planet, but of course has now gone back and forth as to not be considered a planet. And I'm not sure where it falls now. I don't know. I don't know what Pluto did to deserve that, though. No, poor Pluto. I mean, if Uranus can still be a planet. And, yeah, and Mickey Mouse's dog, you know, definitely deserves some attention. Pluto. But why am I talking about Clyde William Tombaugh? Yes. Uh, well, he is the great uncle of Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw. Oh, wow. So there you go. A a, a far-off connection to Pluto right there here in the major leagues. See, folks, it's a small world, and if you live on Pluto, it's even smaller. And further away and colder and not really a world. <laughs> uh, another couple of things. I got a lot of just little tidbits today. Uh, John Thorne. He is uh, somebody we follow on Twitter. John Thorne is also the official Major League Baseball historian. So his social media feeds are are really great. He's got a lot of of great old time uh, stuff, pictures, information up there. This was from his Twitter feed. And on October 14th, 1893, there was a uh, an article written in a newspaper on a way that people were hoping to increase offense in baseball. And the writer, his name was Harry Wright. He suggested that umpires keep the ball and strike count secret until the at-bat is concluded. (laughs) (laughs) So you can just, the strike pitches are coming in and the umpire is just calling them to himself, not telling anybody until he just rings you up. Or, you know, you put the ball in play or he says, all right, take your base. That was seven balls. Take your base. Because I think that was in 1893. I think that might have been how you walk. thought that was interesting. (laughs) The secret ball strike count. That's awesome. It's kind of like a a silent auction. uh, (laughs) Right. Except, yeah, except you never know what it's going to cost you. No, you don't. Because the pitcher might think the count is one thing. The batter might think it's another. And the catcher might think it's a completely other thing. Wow. Too funny. I think that's brilliant. All right. So last week I asked you a trivia question as we've been doing. I've let you stew on it all week. And yep. I'm going to finally give you the answer. So last week I asked uh, who holds the consecutive marks for stolen bases without being caught? And I, I gave you a little bit of a clue. I said that uh, Davy Lopes at one point had broken the record. And uh, he no longer holds it, but he broke that in 1975. So really gave you a 45-year window to come up with an answer. Yes. And I believe last week you gave me a couple of names. You said Kenny Lofton and Vince Coleman. That's exactly what I said, yep. All right. So I would have, if I had to guess, my guess would have been Tim Raines. Mm-hmm. Tim Raines is the, is the 
most prolific stolen base guy with the best percentage of yeah he, he stole a lot of bases didn't get caught all that much yeah but i am going to give you credit for this one really lopes record was broken by vince coleman no kidding over two seasons the end of the 1988 season and the beginning of the 1989 seasons vince coleman stole 50 consecutive bases without being caught okay that is incredible yeah, that's wow. that's pretty impressive. I'm not sure if you're going to I mean, it's hard enough just to steal 50 bases in oh, a season. Geez. I mean, it can be over two seasons as long as you're not caught. But I, people just don't take enough chances to steal bases to ha- I think at this point to ever have that be broken. That's that's impressive. It, the game would have to change fundamentally for us to go back to even attempting that much. Yeah, I hope it does, like I said. But, sure. you know, if it, I hope I'm gone by that time so I don't see Ricky's records broken yeah we can't have that no i'm not worried about it right now (laughs) all right so new question for this week uh this has to do with home runs and i i found this one a while ago but i thought it was really interesting it's had a good story about it so my question to you this week is who is the oldest player to hit their first career home run and at what age did they do so wow that's good. Um, I'm I'm definitely not gonna guess Ken Griffey Jr. So uh, that's probably good. good. I'll thing. think about it for a week here. Yeah. So you, well, you're in your hospital bed. You can right. <laughs> you can comb the internet for this. But that's right. Again, oh, and they, they just brought me some sugar-free Jello. I'm so happy. Oh, okay. that's good. Yeah. So, so remember, this is not who hit. You know, who was the oldest to hit a home run? It's the oldest right. to hit their first career home. Run. First career home run. Gotcha. And there you go. So I will let everybody stew on that. So uh, as you can imagine, with Mark barely being able to speak, we're going to probably keep this. We're going to just keep this to one topic this week. And uh, so we're going to we're going to let the ground screw come out and do their thing. And we're going to get ready for the one topic that we're going to talk about this week. And coming up at the end of the week that this airs, it's the big game in the NFL. Now, I don't want to. We, we don't want to get sued by the NFL. So we're, you know, we got to call it the big game um, yeah. or the superb owl. One of the two. Yeah. It's going to be a super day for a bowl of appetizers. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so I thought it would be interesting if we uh, talked about some baseball players who uh, also played football. Jeff, you are so topical. I am. Well, see now I want a little bit of credit because normally I would think of this like the week afterwards sure <laughs> when i see other people talking about it but i'm being i'm being proactive this time so we're going to talk about nfl players or major league baseball players that uh, spent some time in the nfl um i'm going to guess you're going to be able to come up with a couple of names off the bat i can think of a couple yeah so i'm going to guess the first one you probably thought of was bo jackson actually my first was prime time because i like him a lot more Yep, he's he is definitely on this list. So I'm going to go over a couple of, you know, we really haven't had a lot of dual sport athletes recently. Like in no. the, and when I say recently, I mean really the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. There's only been really four, and I'm not counting Tim Tebow yet because he right. has not appeared in the major leagues. But uh, I'm going to start off with Bo Jackson. So Bo Jackson rushed for 4,300 yards and 43 touchdowns at Auburn uh, his senior year. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1985 for that performance. In 1987, he made the Royals out of spring training at the urging of George Brett, Hal McRae, and Frank White. So he was originally drafted by the Yankees, which you'll find as we go through these as a, as a common theme for these dual sport athletes. Um, but he also, he kind of got screwed because he was playing baseball at Auburn as well. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers said, Hey, uh, we want to fly you out here. We're thinking of drafting you number one in the draft. And we've cleared this with the NCAA. It's cool. We're going to fly you out here. No, no worries. So Bo says, okay, he flies out there, has some meetings with the Bucks, and then the NCAA finds out about this. And they're like, oh, well, you've broken, uh, you've broken a rule. You are no longer eligible to play baseball in college. <laughs> so Bo Jackson, who had a pretty bad temper, uh, according to 
Bo Jackson himself when he grew up. Oh, um, uh, I, I've witnessed it. <laughs> he vowed that he would never play for the Tampa Bay Bucks and uh, continued to uh, just play football in, in college. But uh, drafted by the, uh, the Royals, he made it, like I said, out of spring training in 1987. Two weeks after the start of the season, the Los Angeles Raiders then drafted him in the NFL. And Bo decided that he was going to give it a go. This uh, did not sit well with a lot of his Royals teammates. You know, they felt, hey, if you're just going, if you're, <laughs> if you're not going to concentrate on on baseball, well, they, that's a roster spot you're taking up. That somebody mm-hmm. else might take. Um, and he ended up calling uh, football just a hobby, something that would come back to haunt him <laughs> several times. Uh, he played seven games with the Los Angeles Raiders. That year, he scored four touchdowns, including a 91-yard run against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football, bowling over one Mr. Brian Bosworth, <laughs> hey, who had called him out prior to the game. Guess, guess who was there? <laughs> Were you at that game? I was at that game, and I ended up getting that football, as a matter of fact. You, how in the world did you end up with that football? <laughs> I knew somebody who knew a guy who Bo gave it to, and I don't know. It was really weird. I ended up giving it to somebody else who was a big Bo Jackson fan. Long story. Wow. I, I actually got that out without too much voice cracking. Wow. <laughs> so I am not much of a football fan, but I mean, I think most sports fans have seen that, yeah. that run. <laughs> yep. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so Bo Jackson was the first person to ever become an all-star in two leagues, both the NFL and Major mm-hmm. League Baseball. In 1990, he injured his hip in a playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. He battled that hip injury through the 1994 season. He played uh, after that with both the White Sox and the Angels. Uh, his football career after that was was over, and he had a lot of complications because of that injury where he was, you know, cartilage was essentially dying and he yeah. just, he just couldn't, he, he apparently dislocated his hip in that game and he popped it back in himself. And when he did that, that, that just made the injury worse and cut off blood to a lot of, uh, you know, some, some part of his hip and stuff. So it was just a real mess. Mm, yeah. And if you remember, I mean, you know, he could be dominant in baseball. He struck out just a, I mean, he he was up there with Rob Deere in terms of... He was. Of he struck out. He swung and missed a lot. Yeah, in 1989, he struck out 172 times. Over his eight years, of which he only played 694 games in those eight years, he struck out 841 oh. times. That's... <laughs> That is a lot. If you times. if you ever if you watch some video of Bo Jackson batting too, you'll see that he never got cheated. He no. got his hack in. <laughs> yeah, he really did. And and you know, probably one of the most famous strikeouts, I think it was in Yankee Stadium, or or maybe it was at, at, at Kauffman Stadium when he struck out and then he just snapped the bat over just his busted over it his right knee. over his knee. I remember that thinking, wow, don't ever upset Bo Jackson. Yeah, and then he did it again where he put the bat over his helmet. Yes. And he just kind of pulled down on each end yeah. and splittered the bat over his head. That's the right. He was strong. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also, if you remember, so I, I, I referenced the 89 season where he struck out 172 times. That was the year, the lone year that he was an all-star in Major League Baseball. And I remember that game specifically. It was played, the all-star game was played in the Big A in Los Angeles. And he led off the game for the American League that year. And I remember because Ronald Reagan, who was, I think he was still president in 1989. 89 would have been Bush. Bush, yeah. So, uh, But Reagan was up in the booth with Vin Scully, uh, just calling the first first inning or so of the game. And he was talking, and then Bo just launched one to straightaway center field into the batter's eye. And I remember just everybody was kind of in shock how hard yeah. he hit that but bo jackson he could he could hit the ball a ton strong dude you remember of course the uh, the bo knows nike campaign one of the oh, most yeah. famous like it was i think it might have been like really the first real famous nike campaigns 
there was, you know, there was Air Jordan, who yeah. was probably right around the same time with Spike Lee and and all those things. But mm-hmm. uh, the the Bo Nose campaign for the Nike Air Trainer One, which was yeah. the first cross training shoe ever. Little <laughs> shoe yeah. trivia for you. Shoe trivia. Shoe trivia. And then and then the last thing I wanted to mention about Bo Jackson was Tecmo Bowl. Oh yeah. If you remember, he was literally his own cheat code. Like you couldn't tackle him in that game. People would just bounce off him. So all you know, if you played that game, you just call the Raiders and then just hand the ball to Bo every time and yep. touchdown. There you go. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about your guy now, Deion Sanders. Prime time. Yeah. So Deion Sanders was drafted by the Royals out of high school. But uh, he instead elected to go to college. He went to Florida State. There he played football, baseball, and ran track as well. Wow. Uh, as you can imagine, was uh, outstanding in, in everything he did, especially on the collegiate level. One time uh, at FSU, Sanders played the first game of a doubleheader. Then he went across the street, ran a leg of the 4 by 100 relay, then returned to play in the second game of the doubleheader as well. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that was kind of a foreshadowing of something, some things he would try later on. So <laughs> yes. he was drafted by the Yankees and made his major league debut on May 31st, 1989. Uh, he was also the fifth overall draft pick in the NFL draft pick that same year by the Atlanta Falcons. During the 89 season, he hit a major league home run and scored an NFL touchdown in the same week, becoming the only player to ever do so. Sanders is uh, also the only man to play in both a Super Bowl and a World Series. So Dion never made the uh, never made the All Star game in Major League Baseball. So he he didn't equal Bo in that, but he did play in the World Series and the Super Bowl. Two things that Bo Jackson never did. Yep. Uh, Bo Jackson. Well, uh, remember Bo Jackson called football a hobby. Deion Sanders said it this way. He said, football is my wife and baseball is my mistress. <laughs> of course. So, Thank you. Prime time. A little bit more provocative. Not surprisingly from Dion. Yeah. October 11th, 1992 Sanders played in a Falcons game in Miami and then flew to Pittsburgh, hoping to play in the Braves LCS game later that night against the pirates to uh, trying to become the first athlete to play in two professional leagues in the same day, but he did not get into the game uh, against the pirates. And I remember that specifically. I, yeah. I remember I, I, when was that? That was in 1992. Yeah. I was in, I was in college at that point. And I remember not really paying attention to the NFL, but I knew what he was going to try. So I watched that Falcons game. And then of course I was glued to the, to the yeah. NLCS, but he just didn't get in. Nope. He played nine years total in Major League Baseball, retiring in 2001 with the Reds. He retired from the NFL in 2005 and has since been inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. So we've talked about a couple of Dion seasons. He had uh, he had a couple of really good years and then he had a couple of really bad years. Yeah. His best year was 1992. He batted 304. Led the league with 14 triples. Uh, he stole 26 bases, hit eight home runs. That was with the Braves. And I remember all those triples. It just seemed oh, yeah. like if he put the ball in play, he was going to be on third. Oh, yeah. He did miss a couple of seasons late in the... He didn't play in 96, 98, or 99. He just only played NFL those years. But 97 and 2001, he played for Cincinnati. Um Decent numbers. They're okay. You know, pretty much average numbers for Dion. He had 236 over his career. Lifetime war was 5.5, so not bad. No, not at all. I, mean, I would have taken Dion on my team in the middle of his career, probably. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to the main guy I want to talk about here is someone that I don't believe we would have ever come up with as being a professional baseball player and football player. And this is a name that if you know anything about sports, you're going to know. But I had no idea he played baseball at all. Jim Thorpe. Uh, yeah, the greatest athlete of all time. He, Yeah, he absolutely is. He is the greatest male athlete, I think, of, of all time. I don't think you are. I don't think there's a stretch there at all. No. 
Jim Thorpe in 1912 in the Stockholm Sweden Olympics competed in the decathlon the, <laughs> and the pentathlon. Yes. And won a gold in both. Yes, he did. He <laughs> also is... competed in the long jump and the high jump. Yes. I mean, those, I mean, the decathlon and the pentathlon, those are well, the incredible. Thing, the decathlon is just a bunch of very diverse track and field events. The modern pentathlon is like pistol shooting and fencing and horse riding and stuff. It's freaking crazy. Underwater basket weaving. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, the, the, the modern pentathlon here, I looked it up. Uh, pistol shooting, fencing, swimming, horse riding, and running. <laughs> How do those even connect? Doesn't matter. He kicked butt. He did them all. On all of them. I mean, the guy was, and you know, the sad thing is, is he was part Native American. Yes. And he at at one point had his medal stripped from him by the United States because of his national because he was part Native American. I mean, that's just a, ridiculous. Stuff. Yeah. Following the Olympics that year, he signed with the New York Giants. He also played for the Cincinnati Reds and the Boston Braves. In nineteen seventeen, a very famous game that he was involved in, the the only Double no-hitter between the Reds and the Cubs. Oh, wow. Fred Tony of the Reds and Jim Vaughn of the Cubs. Tony had pitched earlier in his minor league career a 17-inning no-hitter. What? I don't think that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that that's hard to do. Yeah, so Jim Thorpe in this double no-hitter in the 10th inning uh, knocked in on a fielder's choice, knocked in the only and winning run of the game. So... Wow. That was, I, that, that'll probably be a story later on. Maybe it might just be a tales from the dugout, but I think we'll, we'll probably need to talk about that double no hitter. Um, uh, he played professional football in 19, get this in 1913 through 1928. That's wow. 15 years. 52 of those games were in the actual NFL. When he started playing professional football, the NFL wasn't even established at that point. So when I say he played in the NFL, he played in the NFL once it was actually a thing, but he was playing professionally before that. Right. He also, in 1926, played professional basketball for a couple of seasons with a barnstorming team. Goodness gracious. I mean, the guy was just there. There was literally nothing he couldn't do. Now, as a baseball player, not really much to write home about a career war of minus 0.1, but right. he played for six years. Uh, his okay. best season probably being 19. Yeah, it probably was 1917. He only hit 237, but he knocked in 40, had 10 triples, four home runs. Um, but uh, still, I mean, <laughs> you're playing every single sport. You never have a day off. He did play some hockey too, I believe. I did not see that. No, I read an article once. He played like in Minnesota or something, um, and they, they couldn't pay him all that well. So he 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 said he'd come back and play for them permanently if they had to come up with an actual contract that could compete with other sports. And hockey at the time did not have the money to do so. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me he bowled the 300 as well. <laughs> we'll have to ask our bowling expert on that one. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he is between he and Babe Dietrichs and Zaharias. Yeah. I, I would say those are the two most, you know, the best all around athletes in the history of the United States. No question. No question. And now I know Babe Dietrichs and she was, I know her mainly for golf and what an incredible right. golfer she was. But I, I did not find anything on, on uh, Jim Thorpe playing golf either. But uh, Well, of all the nerve. Uh, the last kind of um, modern player I wanted to mention was Drew Henson. He was the last two-sport athlete. He played for the New York Yankees as well as the Cowboys and the Lions in the NFL. He was the 97th overall selection in the 1998 Major League Baseball draft by New York. He played only a total of eight games in the major leagues, though. Uh, the Houston hmm. Texans selected him in the sixth round of the 2003 draft. And he played in the NFL through 2008. And I remember, I remember that name being tossed around a lot. But yeah, he wasn't much of a baseball player. Never, never really got much time in the big leagues. 
But but obviously quite an athlete. Yeah, better me. That's for sure. For better <laughs> me. <laughs> then again, my cat, and I don't have a cat, is better than me. Athletic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think you're better than your cat at a yeah. lot of things. Maybe the not. not. Maybe not existing cat. Yeah. Not hairballs, I'll tell you that. So I, I mentioned Tim Tebow. Of course, he hasn't yet played in the in the big leagues. I'm not sure that he ever will. Uh, a couple of other names I wanted to mention. Recently, some guys that had been drafted uh, by major league teams but ended up choosing to play football was uh, Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks and uh, Kyler Murray for uh, the A's yes. drafted Kyler Murray for some reason in the first round, but he's uh, playing for the Cardinals and I would just assume he continue to not play. <laughs> no, Russell Wilson did actually come out and uh, take a couple of days worth of ground balls. At, uh, I think he does every spring, spring training. training. Yeah, it, with the Rangers. It's nothing serious. It's more of a, uh, you know, raise awareness type thing. And so. Do you think, I get the feeling with him that if somebody was going to seriously offer him a contract and the Seahawks would allow him, I think he would probably give it a go. I, I think he'd give it a shot. He's a pretty confident guy and obviously a pretty talented guy too. So now it, this is completely off the subject, but I saw and I, I saw some quotes from Derek Jeter uh, having just been elected into the Hall of Fame. And I thought this was really interesting. He was talking about African Americans and specifically the lack of African Americans coming into the game. And yeah. one of the things he said was that there is a lack of instant gratification playing baseball. And I totally get what he means. You know, if you are playing and you get drafted, you probably have a couple of years before you're going to get to the major leagues. Sure. Yeah. And even then, it is the lowest rate of success and making it to the big stage of yep. any of the four major sports. Yep. While if you're drafted in the first or second round of any, you know, basketball, football, hockey, you're probably going to be seeing some time in, you know, the highest level of that sport that season. Yeah. But that is definitely very rare in baseball. So I can I can absolutely see what he means there. Yeah. A couple of other names here. Jeff Samarja, pitcher for the uh, for the Giants, I believe is where he is now. Uh, he probably had the most successful career of these guys that didn't play football. He, of course, broke multiple receiving records at Notre Dame. He was an All-American there both his junior and senior year. And he was even a finalist for the 2005 Fred Blitnikoff award. So I, wow. I remember him just, I remember that name and hearing him playing in Notre Dame. Of course, I don't really watch, but um, DJ Dozier. Did you know that he ever played <laughs> football? I, I remember him getting drafted and invited to spring training or something, but uh, I don't recall a whole lot. Um, about how he did as a baseball player. So he was kind of the Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow. Uh -huh. He was a running back for the Vikings and the Lions from 87 to 91. And he, he even scored seven touchdowns to the NFL. And then he made the switch to baseball, even though he hadn't played since high school. And he worked his way up as an outfielder with the Mets. He played in 25 games in 1992, and he went nine for 47 with two doubles and four stolen bases. Yeah, definitely respectable. I mean, that's an athlete, though, if you hadn't played since oh, high man. school. Just to be able to pick up a bat and do that. And to work your way up. I mean, that's Seriously, great. that's amazing. And then, I, of course, I can't do this and, and, and not mention Jackie Robinson. The great Jack, Jackie. Yeah, one of the most, obviously, the most important players in Major League Baseball history. Um, he was also one of the best all-around athletes. He lettered in UCLA. He lettered in baseball, football, basketball, or no, in high school. He lettered in baseball, football, basketball, and track and field. Uh, in junior college and at USC, he uh, also was an outstanding athlete in several sports. He was the nation's leading punt returner in 1937 and 1940. And he led UCLA in passing, rushing, scoring, and punt returns in his senior year of 19. Wow. Wow. What a total legend. Yeah. And, and then to also, just beyond that, to be that guy that Branch Rickey, you know, and we've, I think we've talked about this several times, said that, you know, Jackie Robinson might not have been the best player 
from the Negro Leagues, no. but he was the one best equipped was, for what yeah. he would have to go through. He was the right player. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there you go. That is that is by far not it's not the exhaustive end all be all list. There were a lot of players in, you know, the the twenties and thirties and even it up into the forties that played both sports, not, you know, not a whole lot for both teams. Uh, I also had Brian Jordan down here. Um, uh-huh. He played a lot. He was the one that actually played the most uh, games between the two sports. He was selected in 89 by the Cardinals and also by the Buffalo Bills. He debuted in 92 with the Cardinals. He played just a couple of years, three years in the NFL, and uh, 15 years in the majors for the Cards, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Rangers. So nice. that was yeah. another one of those contemporary players. And you mentioned you got that football somehow from Bo yeah. Jackson. I yeah. got when Brian Jordan was on the Braves. He got upset and he pulled a Bo Jackson and he snapped a bat over his knee and he flung the bat, you know, the handle and the barrel yeah. to end the inning and he flung them and nobody could find the bat barrel. The <laughs> next day I was there getting ready early before Gates for the game and wedged between the uh, the rotational signs behind home plate was the bat handle. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I still have that somewhere in a box downstairs, but yeah, that's I've awesome. That. I've been meaning to try and find, see if I can find video of. That's hilarious. That is my, <laughs> uh, my, one of my mem- memorabilia stories. All right. So uh, that'll wrap it up. I think, uh, I think that's a, a fair, uh, fair view overview of major league baseball players who also played some football and uh we'll spare you the peter brady (laughs) (laughs) that was fun jeff actually that was really fun to talk about and uh, i'm i'm actually interested in the super bowl um just because if i have to choose an nfl team it would be the san francisco 49ers because that's who i watched growing up so gotcha i will actually be watching the super bowl this year something i can't say every year right you're not gonna be there i am not gonna be there oh boy i i will tell you i do not enjoy working super bowls those are some long long days for an entire week i'll bet i'll bet yeah not not missing that all right so let's uh we'll wrap up our our main segment here and we're going to jump into our wax packs heroes um it's a surprisingly popular segment i don't know why we just talk about we talk about cards and uh, just babble, but everyone seems to like it. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. All right, Mark. So we are uh, we're going to uh, venture into a brand we haven't done for quite a while. We're going to actually open up some tops cards. Oh, nice. Um, I've got another. I'm trying to get through these cello packs before I put in another order. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Um, so I've got a cello pack here of 1989 tops. I think this should be pretty prime. Um, 1989, of course, one of my, well, probably is my favorite year in Major League Baseball history. Um, well, sure it would be. Yeah. Right. All right. So I've got two packs here. I can see who's in uh, on the cover of both these packs. I'm not going to tell you, though, until you choose whether you want to choose the one in my left hand or my right hand. OK, I actually brought the spinner from Twister in here. So let's see. Uh, right leg. I, I mean, OK, let's go with right hand then. Right hand. All right. So you have, unfortunately, <laughs> the uh, the cover to one was an Ozzie Smith all all star card. And the other is a Jack Lazorko card oh, from the Los Angeles Angels. Oh, you have chosen Jack the Jack Lazorko card. <laughs> you know what? There's not a lot of people who collect Jack Lazorko, so I'm going to step up. I'm not sure I've ever even heard of him. I have now. Yeah, well, now we're going to know all about him. Uh, just a reminder, I am currently in the lead. I had my Phil Plantier card last week really helped me along Uh, i am up 10 games to nine a couple of rules uh, if you're just joining us for the first time we are grading these cards uh, via the may 1992 beckett's baseball card monthly Uh, that way these cards have some value 
We've got a couple of other categories that we can uh, assign value to. If the player is sporting a mustache, they get an extra penny. If they are wearing real stirrups, they get an extra penny. If they are, by chance, uh, wearing two-in-one stirrups, they minus one cent. And if they are in the Hall of Fame now, they get an extra five cents. So there you go. You're all caught up on our rules. Uh, Mark, do you want to go first or second? I'm Since you're ill, and this might be your last week on Earth, yeah. uh, if it is indeed the coronavirus, I'm going to let you not only choose the pack, but if you want to go first or second. I, I, I'd like to go first, and then I can just clam up. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off with uh, the aforementioned Jack Lazorko, who I have no recollection of. Got to be a worth, uh, worth at least three bucks. Shockingly enough, not worth anything. He is... Uh, uh, not sporting a mustache that we can see either. Uh, it is just a waist up shot. So that is a that's a, a no go for you there. Uh, just looking on the back here, he apparently came up with the Brewers, spent a, a season with the Mariners, <laughs> then the Tigers, and uh, two seasons with the Angels. So there you go, Jack Lazorko. Well, now we know all about Jack Lazorko. Lazorko, he's been featured on Two Strike Noise. Now, I believe I, I know we've talked about this guy, and I believe you knew this guy. Right handed pitcher for the A's, Todd Burns. Yeah, that's my man. I love Todd Burns. Always did. He just, he's just a down to earth good dude and a pretty darn good pitcher, too. Well, now I will tell you this this is a Todd Burns rookie card. So you can imagine that the value is just skyrocketing right from the, right from the get go. Yeah. Um, if if this was a cartoon, it would have a counter and it would just the wheels would be spinning. Yes. Nonstop. Uh, his rookie card is worth two cents. Yes. Uh, but he is wearing uh, kind of that high school porn stash. So that's always something. Always had the stash. Look at that. Todd Burns scoring for his old pal. All right. So you're on the board. Here's somebody we've talked about in the past. This guy is hilarious. I believe he's now a Phillies announcer. At this point, he was on the Astros. Larry Anderson. Oh, I gotta love him. The prankster himself. Yeah, so this card is not worth anything, but he is sporting that ginger mustache. That is an Anderson with an E, by the way. Not Anderson, but Anderson. You are 100% correct. Yes. Next, we've talked about this guy because he's thrown a no-hitter. Juan Nieves with the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, Juan Nieves, yep. Had his moments. Uh, he is deep in, uh, he's about to release the ball here and he's deep in concentration. You can tell by his facial expression. I cannot see his stirrups though. And he does not have a mustache and that card is not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Another athletic, uh, nearing the end of a very, very good career. And I believe I want to say he passed away recently. The man that got hit. More times than anybody I've ever seen, Mr. Don Baylor. Oh, the great Don Baylor. Yep. The 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 man. I seriously he used to get plunked and he just wouldn't it was like he wouldn't even react. He just walked to first base. No, Bam. he didn't care. Man, it hit me again. Didn't care. Now do you, I think he passed away a year or two ago. Is that it sounds familiar, but I'm I'm not recalling. Uh He's Don Baylor, there. let's look him up real quick here. Yes, he unfortunately passed away in 2017 at the age of 68. I believe he also, didn't he break his leg uh, catching a first pitch? Did he? <laughs> he was a coach for the, uh, for the LA Angels a couple of years ago, obviously before 2017. And I believe, and it might have even been on like opening day, that he broke his leg catching a first pitch somehow. But uh, that, that can't be easy to do. But uh, okay. Next, uh, I'm not familiar with this guy. Right-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, Steve Curry, not Steve Kerr, who I know mm-hmm. is a you know a basketball coach now, but Steve yeah, Curry. Not a clue. Um, this was oh, this would have been his rookie card, so I'm sure that that's really going to help this value. Uh, but no, not worth anything. But he does have just a wisp of a mustache for. You think Steve Curry is somewhere right now with his ears burning going, people are talking about my illustrious baseball career and facial hair. <laughs> he very well could be. I imagine so. Now, this guy, wow, you got a lot of A's in this pack. But this guy, 
This is not the card, but he has one of the absolute best baseball cards of all times. And it was when he was with the Atlanta Braves, which he was for most of his career. He, for some reason, had his picture taken in the old veteran stadium in Philadelphia with a boa constrictor around his neck on the field. But uh, here he is wearing the green and gold, Mr. Glenn Hubbard. I don't remember that card at all. Uh, I've posted it several times on, on social media. So uh, yeah, shows you how much I follow us. That's pretty bad. Yeah, think, thanks a lot. Thanks yeah. so much. Uh, well, no, but it, it is a classic card. Um, this card, however, is not worth anything except for that big bushy mustache of his. There you go. All right, next now, this could be a winner for you. Uh, I've got a Tom Glavin card here. Now, it's not a rookie card, but uh, let's see. Tom Glavin, uh, at this point, this was worth 15 cents. Nice. So there that's is a score. A, yeah, that's a big score for you. That uh, bumps you up to 22 cents right there. And don't forget the bonus. Oh, that's right. Hall of Fame. That's yeah. right. So 2014. that's uh, actually a 20 cent card. Woo, so yeah. 27 cents. Wow. Now, I might give you extra credit for this next this next card as well. How topical. Mike Gallego. Mike Gallego? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny that uh, we were just talking about him. Uh, and there he is. He's got a there nice chain uh, through his BP kind of uh, b- uh, windbreaker. Uh, but that card is not worth anything, and there's no mustache, no Hall well, of Fame. You know what? No- if it were a Ricky card... You know, if it were Ricky, it would be uh, it would be worth Gallego if he wanted it to be worth Gallego. That's all there is to it. <laughs> uh, let's see if I, I can't just off pan looking through here. I can't see how much Ricky Henderson went this year. Yeah, I see Bo Jackson, but uh, I don't see Ricky just off hand here. All right. Next, uh, Chris Spire, utility infielder for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, I remember I thought I remember him as a uh, Milwaukee brewer but maybe i'm wrong uh at this point and i think we had talked about him before at this point he was a rookie in 1971 oh geez never at this point had never played for the brewers as giants expos cardinals twins cubs and the giants uh it's probably all the meds i'm on <laughs> that card not worth anything but he is wearing real stirrups so that's one point for you oh uh, there we go uh here's a member of the nasty boys the sheriff Ah, you know uh, Storm and Norm Charles. Charles. Yeah. Yes. Norm Charlton, also a member of the uh, the Mariners for a couple of years. Uh, gotta love them. Um, and that card is worth three cents. Not bad right there. There you go. Normie. Next. Oh, this I love this guy. Uh, utility infielder for the Rangers, Jeff Kunkel. Jeff, Uncle Kunkel. Yeah, very cool. I remember him. He played for a while. Uh, yeah, he, he was kind of that uh, Swiss utility. Uh, Swiss knife guy, Swiss utility, Swiss knife guy. Swiss utility, uh, next, right? we've got th- this guy, another guy I've not heard of. Giants pitcher Randy Bacchus. Mm, no clue. B o c k u s. That is not worth anything, uh, but he is wearing real stirrups, so we'll give him the, give him a point for that. Nice job. stirrups. And your final card is uh, Juan Castillo, utility middle infielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. He is wearing a mustache, which is the only value to that card. There's the middle infielder for the Milwaukee Brewers, I was thinking. There it is. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Um, So that brings your total to 33 cents. Hey, that's that's tolerable. Thank you, Tom Glavin. 20 cents, which came from Mr. Tom Glavin, the Glav Daddy. I heard it through the Glavine. I have not heard that one before, but now I have. All, All right. right. So here we go. Diving into mine. I know uh, I'm leading off Famer, so that's good right there. Ozzy Smith, 1988 All-Star card. Um, now, unfortunately, I don't see that these cards are worth anything. They're not listed in Beckett. Um, so really, I'm going to only be able to get points from what I am seeing here on the card. <laughs> which are real stirrups and a and a mustache. Andy's a Hall of Famer, so yes. I'm going to get seven cents from it. Yes, but that's a shame because I'm sure that's worth 
a lot. That's uh, that's weird. The, the inserts sometimes they either didn't list or uh, they just nobody collected the inserts. It depends. Yeah, I I know I kept all the Ricky ones, but that was oh, sure. Like, uh, now I'm interested for this one. This is a baby face Dante Bichette with the California Angels. Oh wow! And this is a rookie card, only worth four cents. But I'll is he related it. to that really cool Boba Shet guy? <laughs> I think he might be. Yeah, he might might very well be really. Uh, next, we've had this guy quite a few times from the Indians at this point, Ron Ma and Pa Kittle. There he is. See, I yes. didn't know that nickname until you told me that, <laughs> and now I can I can use it. There you go. Uh, another All Star card. This one from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Mister Kirk Gibson. Oh boy. Now I this can is say a that name without like coughing. Yeah, yeah, not not great memories. Now this is a different All Star card. The Aussie Smith is a game. You know, you can see it looks like it's in Shea Stadium. This one, it's it's Kurt Gibson from the shoulders up, but the they've you know photoshopped out the background. I know they did Photoshop at this point, but it's just a blue background. This one actually does have a card number on the back. So let's see what this is worth. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, but yeah. Kirk is wearing that scruffy mustache, so I do get one cent. So that does put me up to 12 cents already. You will be familiar with this guy, Mike Jackson, the Seattle Mariners. Oh, sure. Um, wearing that Mariners hat I like with the gold S. No, yes, the classic. Uh, no value except for he is sporting a mustache. Um, now, this one I know is a rookie card because I saw it when I was looking up a card earlier. One of my favorite Florida Marlins of all time, Arrestes Destrada. Oh, yeah. So let's see. That is a rookie card worth two cents. Uh, he is wearing real stirrups, though, so that brings that up to a three cent total. And I believe he's been, I know he does some broadcasting work. I believe he's from Cuba originally. Nope, home, Miami, Florida. Or no, no, he was born in Cuba, but his home is Miami, Florida. Uh, I believe he's been even brought up in some managerial discussions. Uh, And I think he also went on and had, uh, had a decent career over in Japan as well. Which leads me uh, something odd. I saw A's Fan Fest was this last weekend. Uh, they had a bunch of game used hats and, and just other hats and stuff. They had, for some reason, five Hanshin Tiger hats, which <laughs> was funny because I was excited to see it. And uh, the people selling them had no idea what they were. And when I told really? them they were the Hanshin Tigers, they, that was news to them. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And why they were there, I have no idea. All right, so now I've got a number one overall draft pick. This could be your undoing right here. Uh Oh. For the Padres, this is a very, very, he's in his high school uniform, very young Andy Bennis. Oh, wow. So let's see what Mr. Bennis was going for. I believe this is game, set, and match. Uh Uh-oh. Just like Phil Plantier last week, Mr. Andy Bennis's rookie card is worth 35 cents. Oh, man. Which, now, I did go to a Pac-12 school. I believe 35 is is bigger than 33. Yeah, I think uh, I think so. We can put it, we might want to research it online. But, uh. <laughs> so that brings my total up to 51 cents now. So... That's, I've wow. still got half a pack to go. Wow. Uh, next, we've got Dave Clark with the Cleveland Indians. I don't remember a lot about Dave Clark. I I want to say he's a hitting coach now, though. Yeah, it sounds familiar. He was with, uh, with the Indians for quite a while before he got called up. But there is one cent for the mustache only. Uh, here's a catcher. We like catchers. Tim Laudner, Minnesota Twins. Sure. Uh, came he up was and, uh, he was back up, I think, to uh, Brian Harper. Yeah, I, I I think you're probably correct. He came up in '81, and uh, this is an '89 card, and he's still with the Twins. Yeah, no value on that one though. Uh, another All Star card. This one's similar to the Kurt Gibson, so that should have some value of the Chicken Man himself, Mr. Wade Box. Oh yes, 
Oh, here's Ricky Henderson, by the way, 10 cents. Nice. Uh, Wade Boggs is worth five cents. He is wearing a mustache, and of course he is in the Hall of Fame, though. So that is a 16-cent card. This is becoming a blowout, and I'm going to need a calculator. <laughs> Bummer for me, man. Yeah. It's just It goes from bad to worse for you this week, I'm afraid. Uh, what can I do? Here's uh, We talked about closers a couple of weeks ago. This guy's name always comes up. One, because it's an awesome name, and also he was a great closer. Bushy red mustache for the St. Louis Cardinals at this point, Dan Quisenberry. The quiz. Did it for a long time. He did. So that's only worth one cent for the mustache. Uh, Here we go. The man that is in his entire major league career was never hit by a pitch. The lemmer, Mark Lemke. Oh, that's right. How did he never get hit by a pitch? I have no idea. I mean, he played for over a decade and never got hit by a pitch. That's funny. So this is Mark Lemke's rookie card as well. It, I'm just piling it on now. That is worth Man. seven cents. Wow. Uh, here we go. Steve Lyons. We've talked about him. He's in this uh, great White Sox uniform that he uh, pulled Removed. the pants down <laughs> at first base uh, at one point against the, uh, I, I, I think it was the Royals. I, for, I wanted to say it was the Red Sox, but it wasn't. I, I watched the video. I doubt this card is going to be worth anything. Uh, he is wearing, wow, real stirrups with stripes. But uh, that card is only worth that one cent. Uh, my second to last card is Luis Medina of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, this is a rookie card, but it is not worth anything. This guy, I'm not sure if he's just holding a small bat or if he's huge. He was 6'3", <laughs> 195. This bat looks like a wiffle ball bat in his hands. No, I, I actually, uh, he was in the uh, AAA when I was working there. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. Yeah, he must have been, uh, let's see, in 1988 in Colorado Springs. Yep. Uh, that is not worth anything, though. And then my final card. Now, this is a 1989 card. He had probably been in the league for 30 years already at this point uh, and just retired a year or two ago. Julio Franco of the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I heard he had an invite to spring training with someone this year. Probably the Mariners. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so that card is worth four cents, and uh, he is sporting that Julio Franco mustache. So uh, that will bring that total to five cents. Now, I'm going to have to break out the calculator here because this, uh, this was a blowout. Yeah, not fun, not fair. I'm going to protest. Um yeah, so this was this was a blowout. My final uh, total came up to eighty-two cents versus wow. your uh, thirty-three. Which again, I will double check, but I believe that uh, I believe that is a larger score than yours. Yeah, I think you have the open end of the greater than sign pointing your direction. So that will bring my win total up to eleven. I'm stretching it out now to your nine wins and our four ties. Your victory goes to eleven. Why don't I just make this victory 10, but just make it that much more? Make it a bigger win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you have it. Another another edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Another victory for the good guys. Well done, sir. So let's uh, start to wrap up the show. I'd like to remind everybody that you can follow us on social media. We're on there. We're on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at 2 Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. Be sure to follow us. We post throughout the week uh, just strange stuff. I will probably end up posting that uh, Glenn Hubbard uh, baseball card with the boa constrictor once again just because we talked about it and it's an incredible card. Uh, we love to hear from you there. We also like to thank everybody once again for listening uh, to us and communicating with us through social media. Please feel free to to rank and review us wherever you're listening to us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And uh, we thank you for joining us. And hopefully next week, Mark will be feeling better. I know he's got some research that he's done with a super interesting topic that I remember vividly and loved. Yep. And I cannot yep. wait to talk about it. It's going to be so, fun. Uh, Until then, uh, wish you a good week, and we will see you next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day, y'all.